Support for this podcast comes from Troy University, dedicated to teaching a new generation to lead change. Information on leadership opportunities available to students from day one is at troy.edu slash lead change. From Troy Public Radio, I'm Tim Phillips, and you're listening to Clarinet Corner. This is a special hour of the show as we'll be listening to a conversation I had with Anthony McGill, principal clarinetist with the New York Philharmonic, and Brian Stevenson, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. Both McGill and Stevenson have built distinguished careers in their individual fields of music and civil rights advocacy, but as you'll hear, there are interesting places where their interests overlap. In 2020, shortly after the murder of George Floyd and in the wake of Black Lives Matter protests across the country, Anthony McGill filmed his own musical protest. He performed a haunting arrangement of America the Beautiful that challenged the listener to contemplate the idea of equal rights for all. In front of a camera, at home, McGill performed the piece and then placed his knees to the floor. The video of Take Two Knees quickly started to trend across the internet. Later, Anthony visited the Legacy Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. He says it was a moving experience. You really understand that when people speak of the numbers of people who were lynched in America and you think of this history of violence, uh, unpunished violence against Black Americans, you're you're put in this place where you can, it's not just, they're not just numbers. Brian Stevenson is the executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative and has been working for years to defend the poor, the wrongly condemned, and individuals trapped in the criminal justice system. Growing up, music played a large role in Brian's home. His mother played the piano, something Brian loved to listen to. He learned to play piano so he could perform in church. The church was the place where you could have a voice and be heard and be seen. And, um, you know, my mother was a musician. She was a church uh, musician. I had an uncle who was a jazz musician, had a, two uncles, actually, one on each side of my family who uh, played. And so we had a beat up piano in the house when I was a little tiny kid. And then we lost it. Uh, they just they sold it because they needed the money. And then we got um, kind of a, a kind of an electric keyboard when I was about nine or 10. And I started playing it and then got very involved in music and church. And music for me was always just a portal to a better world. As you can hear, music has played a powerful role in the lives of both Anthony McGill and Brian Stevenson. Let's listen to a work called Peace by Jesse Montgomery. This is clarinetist Anthony McGill and Gloria Chen Piano. 
was a work called Peace by Jesse Montgomery with clarinetist Anthony McGill and pianist Gloria Chen. I'm your host, Tim Phillips, and you're listening to a special episode of Clarinet Corner. We have more music and conversation just ahead after this break. I'm Tim Phillips, and this is a special episode of Clarinet Corner featuring a conversation about music, race, and policing. Earlier in the show, we heard how music shaped the early lives of my guests, Anthony McGill, principal clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic, and Brian Stevenson, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. We heard how music was a part of positive experiences, but it can just as easily be present in darker moments. Both Brian and Anthony talk about frightening interactions they both, as black men, have had with the police. One of these dangerous moments in Brian's life came early in his career when he happened upon some music on the radio in his car. One night in Atlanta, driving home from work, he started listening to Sly and the Family Stone. That's when I have most of my fun and by the time I got to my apartment in Atlanta, I was just enthralled with this music. So I just sat there and continued to listen. And apparently someone saw me sitting there and called the police. And before I knew it, an Atlanta SWAT car drove up and they shined the light on me. And I decided to get out of the car to just explain that this is where I live. And when I stood up and got out of the car, the police officer drew his weapon. He was probably 15 feet from me. And he said, move and I'll blow your head off. And I, 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 I was just so alarmed and I put my hands up and I said, it's all right, it's okay. Uh, I live here, it's all right. And, and he was so antsy that I felt like I had to calm him down. And there was another police officer in the car. He ran behind me and they threw me on the back of the car. And I just kept trying to reassure them that I wasn't a threat, but they were not hearing me. Uh, they did a completely illegal search of the car. And they kept me out there so long that neighbors actually started coming out. And of course, that changed my relationship to that neighborhood, to that street forever. People looked at me differently after that. And it was one of those unfortunate but uh, frequent incidents where, you know, just being uh, Black um, had created this presumption of dangerousness and guilt. I had the knowledge to say, it's all right, it's okay to try to keep things calm that kind of policing, that kind of menace, that really made an impact on me. Um, and it started because I just wanted to hear this good music, this fun music in my own car in front of my own apartment. Stevenson says this incident made a significant impact on his life. They never apologized when they found nothing. But it was really disruptive. And what I write about in the book is that for weeks after that, I worried what I would have done if the same thing had happened when I was 16 or 17. When I was 16 or 17, I hadn't uh, been to college. I hadn't been to law school. I didn't know the things I know about, knew about the law then. And I began to fear that if the 16 or 17-year-old Brian had had that encounter, I would have done something not smart, like run when that police officer pulled his gun. Wasn't used to people pulling guns on me like that. Anthony McGill had a similar experience when he was working as a professional clarinetist in Cincinnati. He was driving in nearby northern Kentucky, and all of a sudden he saw the flashing lights. The story was that I didn't yield the right of way to a cop. So a cop comes up to me, um, and he's like, you know, it's. I thought I was like flashed back to like 50 years before or maybe something like that. But 
you know, he like he used those terms that you're like, wow, this is like I feel like I should have had a green book here. He was like, mm-hmm. he was like, boy, this ain't California or something like that because I didn't yield the right of way. Because he was like, do you know why I stopped you? And I was like, no, officer. And I was, you know, trying to be very respectful. And um, that's that's what he said he stopped me for. But it was probably because it was late at night and I was driving a nice car at the time. <laughs> I was driving a BMW, in but I was in, you know in Northern Kentucky. And um, that was like, you know, 25 years ago. And he went to the back behind me and then another cop car pulled up, but, and he sat there, but felt, what felt like an hour. It was probably only 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but it was, it was long enough where I felt like he was pouring through my entire record if he could pull it. He only ended up with a ticket, but McGill says he knows things could have gone a different way. It was nerve wracking to say the least especially because around that same year, um, an unarmed black man was shot in Cincinnati. He says he now uses music to make his interactions with the police go better. And this is like my own little technique for trying to calm cops that might be antsy, is that I almost blast classical music when they pull me over. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not kidding. Let's listen to some music that Anthony McGill might have on during those traffic stops. We'll listen to the last movement of the clarinet quintet in F-sharp minor, Opus 10, by Samuel Coleridge Taylor, with clarinetist Anthony McGill and the Catalyst String Quartet.
And that was the last movement of the clarinet quintet in F-sharp minor, opus 10, by Samuel Coleridge Taylor, with Anthony McGill clarinet and the Catalyst String Quartet. And next we'll listen to the vocalese by Sergei Rachmaninov, arranged by Michael McHale, with the Miguel McHale Trio featuring Anthony McGill clarinet, his brother flutist Damari McGill, and pianist Michael McHale.
And that was the vocalese by Sergei Rachmaninoff, arranged by Michael McHale, with Damari McGill flute, Anthony McGill clarinet, and Michael McHale piano. I'm your host, Tim Phillips, and you're listening to a special episode of Clarinet Corner. We have more music and conversation just ahead after the break. I'm Tim Phillips, and this is a special episode of Clarinet Corner featuring a conversation about music, race, and policing. In the last part of this hour, we had the same question for both of our guests, Anthony McGill, Principal Clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic, and Brian Stevenson, the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative. And McGill says he's seen firsthand the difference it makes when young people have the opportunity to learn music and follow it. I think all young people deserve the opportunity to be able to play music. This is just what, what I think, and it's not just from my personal experience as someone who's successful at music making. I just see the light that comes on in kids' eyes when they are introduced to music at any age. And, and the capacity for creativity and expression as a thing to be able to make one whole is really, really important. You know, and I've seen this, and this is why my parents were big believers in arts education, because they were both visual art teachers, because they see they taught in some of the worst schools in Chicago, were some of the worst schools. So they understood the power of giving kids opportunity to create, to make beauty in this world that is not so beautiful for so many people. This is how I grew up, knowing that fact. So for a young person, I would just, first of all, like offer them the opportunity and then let it go. Like, let it, let it, let it fly. And this is, this is what I believe. And this is what I managed to be able to do even to this day with young people is that, is that to explore. So to let music inspire, to let music build you up, to be able to accomplish something that is difficult, you know, learning a piece, what that process is. I would just say, go for it, go for it. And if you're trying to find ways to discover how to do that, uh, you know, what's great about the world today is that there are many ways you can find out information about what's going on in your community. And, and I say it every single time, and I'm not joking, that now you can go on your computer and you can write in a few words, write in community music program, for young people, for youth, in that in that space. Next, we'll listen to a work called Shotgun Houses by Valerie Coleman, which refers to the life of Muhammad Ali. This is Anthony McGill clarinet and the Pacifica String Quartet.
of Shotgun Houses by Valerie Coleman with Anthony Miguel Clarinet and the Pacifica String Quartet. As we end this hour, we'll turn to Brian Stevenson for a story in which music played a powerful role. As a young lawyer, he worked with a group providing legal assistance to inmates on death row. As part of his role, he was sent for the first time to death row to tell a man that he wasn't in danger of being executed that year. Stevenson was really nervous, and soon the man was brought into the room in chains. After some anxious moments, Stevenson finally delivered his message. The prisoner asked him to repeat himself, and then... He hugged me and he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the first person I've met in the two years I've been on death row who's not a death row prisoner or a death row guard. He said, I've been talking to my wife and my kids on the phone, but I haven't let them come and visit. Now, because of you, I'm going to see my wife and I'm going to see my kids. Then they talked for two hours and the guards got agitated because they were ready to take the man back to death row. Then, after the third hour... They just got so angry that they burst into the room, and they took it out on this man. They threw him against the wall. They pulled his arms back. They put the handcuffs back on his wrist very violently. They wrapped the chain around his waist. They put the shackles on his ankles. And I remember begging them to be gentler. And I kept saying, look, it's my fault. I stayed too late. It's not his fault. But they ignored me. And then they started shoving this man toward the door. He almost fell as they pushed him. And I was watching really with great concern. And then they got him near the door. And I remember seeing him plant his feet. And then when they tried to move him through the door, he didn't move. And he turned to me and he said, Brian, don't worry about this. You just come back. And then he closed his eyes and he threw his head back and he started to sing. And he started singing a hymn. He started singing, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. And then he said, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And his voice filled that death row visitation space. And even the guards stopped moving. And after he finished that, uh, they recovered and started pushing him down the hallway. And you could hear the chains clanging, but you could hear this man singing about higher ground. And that was the moment when I realized I wanted to help condemned people get to higher ground. You've been listening to a special hour of Clarinet Corner, a conversation about music, race, policing, and hope with my guests Anthony McGill, Principal Clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic, and Brian Stevenson, the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative. I want to thank both of my guests for joining me, and you can find out more about Anthony at anthonymcgill.com and Brian and the Equal Justice Initiative at eji.org. You've been listening to Clarinet Corner, a production of Troy Public Radio. Our producers for this episode are Kyle Gassett and Joey Hudson. I'm Tim Phillips, and there's a lot more where that came from. This is Troy Public Radio. Troy Public Radio.